All right, good evening, everyone. Thanks for uh, coming. Have a seat. Uh, so uh, we're in, this is the, the young marriage break, or no, excuse me, the young families breakout, as they call it. Um, I was thinking the other day, the last time we met, it was like mid-February, right? So since then, some of you who were there, like, are no longer young families, and you didn't come back, and then some of you have become young families in the meantime, and so it's been a little while, and I apologize for that, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're busy, we got, this. the church has a lot going on, so, you know, amen. Um, uh, this is my wife, Deanna, by the way, I'm Tim, if you don't remember, um, but uh, you might remember last time we were here, uh, we, we talked about, um, oh, by the way, isn't it great to have Clint back with us? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, but you might you might remember the last time we said that that, that Deanna and I wanted to the, the the goal here is not so much to make us better husbands and wives or make us better parents, but but rather to help us to navigate discipleship at this particular time in our life. And, and if you recall, uh, we 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 looked at Numbers fourteen. Uh, and, and kind of took some admonishment from when the Israelites, you know, didn't want to pass into the promised land because they, they were afraid and they used their kids as an excuse. They said, oh, no, if we go there, our kids will be taken ransom. And, of course, God didn't like that. And we took that as a sort of a, a warning. We don't want to make our kids into idols. We don't want to use our kids as human shields to protect us from God. And we don't want to protect our kids from God. Um, we looked at Deuteronomy 6 and, and about this idea of, you know, loving God and taking our kids with us, right? Deuteronomy 6, 4 leads into this passage about walking along the road, teaching our children to love God and to love his commands. Um, and then at the end of the, of, of the session, those of you that were here, you remember we, we had you guys fill out these cards and we said, you know, write down on these cards some of the things that, that, that trip you up and prevent you from from sort of living out this discipleship life that you that you want to live out, that, that you know you're called to live out. And um, wow, overwhelmingly, um, card after card spoke to this idea of being overwhelmed. It spoke to this idea of, I don't know how to prioritize things. Uh, there's too much going on, right? I, I, I'm trying to work. The church is so busy. Um, there were even some sentiments on a couple of cards of, I don't feel like I'm doing anything good. I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good disciple. So, you know, I, there's, you know my wife will tell you that there's no doubt that I shamed everyone somehow <laughs> in the class. That's what I do best. Um, but, but anyway, we, 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 we really thought about this and, and, and we thought that, you know, in, uh, in, in this particular session tonight, we wanted to kind of talk about maybe a sort of a getting back to basics, sort of, and reconnecting with, with Christ, right? And um, with that in mind, turn over to Matthew 11. Um, you know, so, I mean, so I, we, I, I can identify with everybody that, that's overwhelmed. And we can just, just look at the last half hour of the evening as an example, right? We're in midweek. we got a breakout session over here. If your kids are going to India, run over there. Oh, by the way, special contribution is coming up. And, and oh, be sure to invite 100 people into your home between now and September. I mean, there, there's a lot going on, right? And if you're awake... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, but, and even better, like, Tim's supposed to be... We're supposed to be in the India room because we got a kid going to India, and we have to be here, so we're, you know... We'd rather you be here. You see where the, the challenge is. This is, yeah, the, place. This is the best place to be. be. But there's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. Okay, but uh, 
you know, it, 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 it's challenging. It, it can be overwhelming. It, it can leave you with this feeling of exasperation and frustration. So let's just kind of jump into our text. We'll be in uh, Matthew 11. Uh, where am I? Verse 28? Yeah, verse 28, Matthew 11. <clears throat> it says, come to me. This is Jesus speaking, of course. It says, come to me, all you, are, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, so throughout my time as a disciple, throughout my walk with God, I will, I will either come across this scripture just as I'm reading or, or I might seek it out and look it up. And, and I just have to confess, I've always used it as a comfort scripture. And, and, and sometimes I use it as a rebellious scripture, you know, to say, see, Jesus wants me to rest. You know, see, back off. No, I'm not coming to that. Jesus wants me to, to be at rest. He wants me to be comfortable. He wants me to be, you know, happy and joyful and just bask, right, in, in his glory. But, but if you look at the context in which this is written, if you just kind of turn your page and you look at some of the things that happened leading up to this, this is right on the heels of him blasting Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum for not repenting. Uh, right before that, he's lifting up John the Baptist and comparing him to Elijah. And these were both, you know, fiery, hardworking gentlemen that, that you, don't, you can't imagine them resting <laughs> or taking it easy, right? And, and before that, you see an account of him sending his disciples out on the hard road, right? Preaching the word, taking no comfortable things with them. So, you know, and, and so, so there's that. And then, of course, there's the passages we always read uh, in our discipleship studies, right? You're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up your cross. You know, you're, it, it, and it's, it, it doesn't blend with what we're reading here in verse 28 on the surface, right? And you think, what? Jesus did, forgot to take his medication that day. He's bipolar. He's up and he's down. He wants you to run. He wants you to rest. You know, but so what's this passage mean? What's it trying to tell us, right? If we've got this, if we've got this Savior who wants us uh, in the mission field, as we were just talking about in there, if we've got this, this Savior that calls us to deny ourselves, what is he talking to us about when he talks about this rest for the soul? Well, I don't know if your Bible points it out. It may or may not, but this, this idea of you will find rest for your souls, he's actually quoting Jeremiah. So if you go over to Jeremiah chapter 6, and let's see if we can kind of get a handle on what Jesus is trying to talk to us about this concept of finding rest for our souls. <clears throat> so in Jeremiah 6, 16, which is, as I said, what Jesus had in mind when he made this comment about you finding rest for your souls. Jeremiah says, starting in verse 16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. So Jeremiah was talking to, the, to Israel, Judah, in the midst of some fiery prophecy. If you read the book of Jeremiah, he's laying it down. You guys have been wrong. You've violated the covenant. You've, uh, you've committed idolatry and judgment is coming. But in the midst of it, he, he, he pauses to say, hey, if you'll just find the good way, the ancient path, and walk in it, You'll find rest for your soul. He's kind of, if you think about it, it's, it's, he's putting it all on the Israelites. If you'll just walk in the way, you can have rest for your souls. And contrast that with what Jesus says in Matthew uh, 11. 
He doesn't say walk in the way by yourself. He says, take up my yoke and you will find rest for your souls. So what's the difference between what Jeremiah is saying and what Jesus is saying? Well, Jeremiah was telling the Israelites, you got to figure this out. Here's the commandments. Walk, do the right thing. You'll find rest for your souls, right? That would have been the way to avoid the judgment that was coming, perhaps. But Jesus isn't telling us to walk this way on our own, right? He's saying, take up my yoke. And what is a yoke? So if you understand what a yoke is, it, it's this contraption made out of wood or iron or whatever. And, it, and it, it was designed to yoke two animals together, right? So you imagine two oxen plowing a field and this yoke was on their neck. And, and the idea of the yoke was, for one, to give the plowman some control over the animals, but it was to keep them working together. They couldn't, if you're yoked, if, if you've got an ox and an ox and they're yoked together, there's no way they can go in opposite directions, right? They have to work together, right? And what Jesus is saying is, you know what, just, just stick with me. Just take on my yoke. And if you imagine yourself yoked to Jesus, who, by the way, in, in, uh, in, in the book of John says, I am the way. Right? You don't have to find the way. Jesus is the way. And you know Jesus is going to be on the way because he is the way. And if you're yoked to Jesus, you're going to be fine. You're gonna, your soul will be at rest. Wow. <clears throat> but the question we have to ask ourselves is, do you feel like your soul's at rest today? I don't think you felt like your souls were at rest when you wrote these cards, Right? So the interesting thing about a yoke, you know, we yoked ourselves to Jesus when we said Jesus is Lord and, and got baptized and, and became disciples. But, if, but the interesting thing about animals being yoked is they, they, have the, they can work with the yoke and submit to it. A well-trained ox is going to be like, oh, I got the yoke. I know what it means. I know it's time to get out in the field and bend, turn right when he says turn right, turn left when he says turn left. But there's this concept of a stiff-necked ox, right? And, and God frequently referred to the Israelites as being stiff-necked. And that, this is exactly the illustration that he was talking about. You know the way to go. I'm showing you the way to go. And then we use Jesus' illustration. Yoke yourself to me, and I'll keep you on the path. But if we strain against the yoke, right? Just like an ox straining against the yoke, we're going to be unproductive. You know, a, 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 a two well-trained oxen that work with the yoke, at the end of the day, they're going to be very productive and have really plowed that field up good. They're going to be exhausted, but they're going to be proud, right? Uh, if, if you believe that oxen think thoughts like that. But, <laughs> but, but, it, but if you've got one ox that refuses to work with the yoke, that fights against the yoke, he's going to wear himself out. He's going to wear out the other ox. He's going to frustrate the plowman. He might even injure himself. Right. Still yoked, but not productive because he's fighting against the yoke. Right. And we have to ask ourselves, are we straining against Jesus? You know, are we working with him? Are we drawing on his power? Are we are we uh, relying on God or are we relying on our own strength? Are we are we are we trying to go on it on our own you know did we decide to become christians but then become sort of these independent contractor christians right i've got my christian license but i decide which jobs i take and which ones i don't you know what i'm talking about right and but if we're going to go about this challenging life that we have and and life's challenging whether you're a disciple or not but if you're going to go about this life on your own power well you're 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 sure to become 
frustrated, yeah. exasperated. Yeah. You, you, you know, somebody wrote on their card that they felt like they were you know, not adequate as a parent. Well, guess what? You're not. <laughs> Without Jesus, you're not adequate as a parent. You don't feel like you're a good disciple? No, you're a very sinful person without Jesus, right? If you're going to go it alone, you're going to have these feelings of inadequacy. You're going to have these feelings of exasperation. Um, and, uh, and you're going to feel, you know, sadly, uh, like you're not productive. And that's going to be deflating and tiring. Uh-huh. Honey? Come on, Hannah. Thanks. You're up. So I really have to confess that th- I found this to be a really hard lesson. Yeah. Even though I love this scripture. Right. I use the scripture in discipling. I use it in my own life when I, you know, when I, when I, when I wonder, and, you know, and, and if, when I, when we, when he read it, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Like even, like even reading it just now, I feel, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like a, like a like a weight lifted or or a heaviness draining out of me as I read that, and so I know there's power there, yeah. right? And so so I use this scripture as a gauge or a test. You know, am I? And and for, from one moment to the next, sometimes I feel like yes, I've got Jesus' yoke, yeah. and we're working together. And this, you know, and then sometimes I feel like what in the world? So. I do have to consider that it says my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? There are some, it doesn't say your life is peaceful and awesome and, you know, it's like being in a bubble bath all the time. You know, it says my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? So, so I think one of the things we, we have this work to do, right? We we heard Jesus' message that he loves us and he has a wonderful plan for us, right? But he also says in that there's work. You know, there's struggles. There's things to do. And so then what am I left with? So, so I could go the way of the world, right? I can do what David or the Proverbs warn against. Look at what those people have. And, and think, you know, I want that. Like even yesterday I was tempted. It was Memorial Day and I was running from one service thing to the next and I'm driving by these beautiful bodies of water and there's people kayaking. <coughs> like I want that. I don't want, to, I don't want to feel this struggle and pain that I'm feeling. But, and I'll get to the solution later. It gets better. Um, Come on. So, you know, I struggle... I struggle, you know, sometimes because it's authority. Like, I want to play. I don't want to work, right? Uh, Or I struggle because I'm not sure what I'm doing, right? I'm not sure if these 50 things I have on my plate, which one to choose, you know? Um, Or or I struggle um, because I... I'm, I'm so busy, I'm not discerning or hearing the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking God, mm-hmm. which of these things right. is it that you want me to do, mm-hmm. right? But I do, when I, 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 even though I struggle and even though this is challenging, I have to remember that we ha- I have something really great. Like people are reminding me all the time. I walked into church just now and Daniel spent, 
you know, not, so Tim said we, we were talking about taking our kids with us. You know, we're, we're sort of now sending our kids off. Like, we dropped our kid off at Beach Dock all weekend to serve. Like, he was gone all weekend. And, um, and, and, and somebody came up to me, an, an older single woman, and said how encouraging it was. You know, and so that, like, who, you know, what other people in life have kids that want to serve, that want to go to India, that, you know, that, that when we have struggles, we go to God and we pray together and we work it out together. Wow. Okay. All right. Amen. Thanks, honey. Turn over to Revelations chapter 2. Yeah. I'm going to talk about judgment. No, that's, that's not true. So, so yeah, you are. No, well, kind it's of. It's in there. Yeah, yeah, it's your. <laughs> don't correct me in front of the oh, people. Sorry. Um, but uh, so, so, so you know, we've paint, so we, so we've kind of stated the obvious, right? Um, life's hard without Jesus, right? So, uh, so how do we? So, so what do we do about that? So, I, 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 I feel like the letter to the Ephesians in uh, uh, Revelation two verse one is is an amazing warning. Uh, to me, and I think being a busy church, which is what we are, I think it's an amazing warning to us. So, so let's take a look at that. I'll start in verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perspective, uh, perseverance. Excuse me. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And we'll stop there. You know, when I read this description that Jesus gives about, about the Ephesians... Sounds a lot like my life, right? I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a member of the Hampton Roads Church, right? I go to church two to eight times a week, right? And uh, I go to the Bible talk and I, I go and I do lessons when people ask me to do lessons and I haul my kid wherever my kid needs to go. I got my works on straight, right? Um, in a, in a, later in verse two, it talks about I know you can't tolerate wicked people. You've tested those who claim to be apostles and are not, and you have found them false. I got my doctrine on straight. I can, I can tear down any false doctrine, right? I read the Bible all the time. I read books. I've been schooled. I go to the, the meat eaters classes and the bodybuilders classes or, or whatever. You know, but when I first became a Christian, I didn't do a lot of that stuff. Now, now I want to be clear. I love doing those things, and I can, will continue to do those things. But in my early discipleship, my, relation, my, my, my spiritual activity was a lot more relationship-based with, with God. You know? and a lot of, so a lot of it was because I, I wasn't really equipped to do a lot of works. And a lot of it was I wasn't really connected with the fellowship. I, you know, I didn't know a lot of people. I was new. But, but I remember studying the Bible... And it was kind of your typical, you know, every week we'll study the Bible, you know. But, um, but I knew early on that I wanted to be a disciple. And, uh, and, and I, don't, I mean, just think back to, to when you were studying the Bible. I, I was, they would give me scriptures to read. I'd read them. I'd take notes. 
I'd journal. I would write down. I'm not a journaler, but I would write stuff in my journal. I would write out my prayers. I would call the guys and say, hey, I read this in the scriptures and I don't understand what it means. Can you help me? You know, I would get advice. I was I was really hungry for repentance. I was like, oh, wait, I'm do, you know, I'm doing this thing in my life. Is it can I should I stop doing that? Can you help me with that? And, and I was I was it really felt like a courtship with Jesus. I mean, I was so. I was I was really falling in love with Christ, and um, you know, uh, and that's not to say that serving isn't relational. That's not to say that work isn't relational. You, know, my Deanna and I are married. There's a lot of work in marriage. You know, we do things for each other. We cook for each other. We clean for each other. We run errands for each other. But but imagine if our marriage got to where that was all it was, it was just us doing things for each other, and no romance, no you know, just connection time. And if our discipleship gets to that point, right, if we start to take for granted some of the things, you know, you, you know the classic husband thing, you know, you know, your wife says, well, do you love me? And you're like, well, I'm here, ain't I? You know, I don't ever say that, but you see that on TV shows. But, you know, it's kind of like the thing with Jesus, right? If Jesus were to say, hey, you know, Dave, do you love me? It's like, well, look at all the stuff I'm doing, Jesus. Of course I love you. But, oh, wait, oh, wait, now that sounds like the Ephesians. Doesn't it? That sounds like the Ephesians. We have to, we have to maintain this connection with God, and we do that through this. In my case, and I think you can probably relate, we do that by doing the things we did at first, like this passage says, chasing after the opportunities to read the Bible. I remember I used to this job I had when I was studying the Bible. I could there was a gym on on site, and I could go work out on my lunch break. Very convenient, right? And I remember it's like. I got convicted. I was like, work out on my lunch break? That time could be spent reading the Bible, you know? And I, but I'm not, look, I'm not talking about being extreme like that, but that, that was the feeling I had. That was, nobody was watching me. Nobody was patting me on the back for reading the Bible. I just wanted to go after that. And, and I have to confess, I don't always feel like that anymore. I, I find myself doing quiet times, and sometimes the next thing you know, I'm preparing for a lesson, you, you know? And I was like, well, no, this is, I'm supposed to be with God, right? I'm supposed to be like, connecting with God. So, you know, these spiritual disciplines that we learn early on, one of the first things they teach us, you know, you get up and have your quiet time, read your Bible, study it out, pray, fast, journal, go on prayer walks, whatever it was that you used to do that made you fall in love with Jesus the first time. Well, you know, just like your wife and maybe your husband, um, you know, Jesus wants that stuff again, right? You know, he wants that relationship Again, um, just like it was. And we have to do the things that we did at first. Ready? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Come on, Deanna. So you guys asked for some practicals, right? Everybody wants the practicals, right? Yeah. I mean, I was actually thinking I should pass out cards and you guys should write practicals as we talk through this because you all probably have great, you know, we all have great wisdom together. Why? Because we have the spirit of Christ, right? We were given that spirit to to give us everything we need for godly living, right? Everything. We have that. So um, if you do have some great practicals, I forgot my cards because I was a little scrambly. Write them down and give them to me, please. Um, But I'm going to talk about some things. I kind of looked over, you know, know, there was one thing on there. um, 
Well, first I want to say that, you know, there is no problem that we have that God does not understand, right? Mm-hmm. And why, why is that? I mean, do we believe that? Yeah. You guys believe that? There is yeah. no problem that we have that he doesn't understand. Well, one, because he created us. So he knows us better than we even know ourselves. Like, I don't know how many ligaments I have, right? I don't know how many hairs I have, but God does, right? So, so he created us and he loves us, right? He really loves us and he wants good for us, yes. right? So, so he has given us everything we need, right? First Peter 1, 3. Let's, let's just look at it. I, I like looking at scriptures. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. And that is not the right one. First Peter 1 3. Okay, the one I'm looking for is his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by. Thank you. I had a feeling. Second Peter 1 3. Would you read that? Whoever knew that where that was? Thank you. <laughs> One three. Okay. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So do you ever feel like you don't have everything you need? Do you feel that way? Okay, but is it true? No, it's not true. So so the, you know, one of the one of the things is how, but how do I prioritize and manage my time? It, at work, I have a I have a to do list, and I pass it month to month. Like I'll check things off that gets done, but it always grows because I never get everything done on that to do list, right? So sometimes I have to eliminate some things on the list, right? And I used to have a boss where I could go into with this crazy list, and I say, "Can we please go over this?" Because I want to do all these things and I can't. And we would check off all the things that I didn't need to do, right? So I do that with God now. I write my list that I want to do, and I say, God, this is the list of all the things that I want to do. Please show me what's most important. I don't even ask him to check things off because I figure if he gave me the thought that maybe he wants it done eventually, I'd say, please tell me what's most important today, right? And, and, and then I do that thing or those three things. Um, And I use Proverbs 3, 5 in that process, right? Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So then, you know, the other time management thing is, well, you write out your goals, right? So write out your goals, but how do you know if your goals are good? Well, you could do the pray over the goal list too, or you could seek advice, right? Proverbs 20, 18 says plans are established by seeking advice. Right? And I would probably say what God meant was, well, good plans are established by seeking yeah. advice, right? There are a lot of bad plans. Yeah. And, then, and then something else I've, d- I've done over the years is, um, is I journal my pressures. Like David, mm-hmm. when you read the Psalms, you think, this guy is just 
I'm Jesus bipolar. David was bipolar. Like one day he's awesome and the next day he's just dreadful. And I think, you know, thank you, God, for putting people in the Bible that, you know, that I can, you know, know that I'm not. I'm just not off my, you know, it's, I'm just not off. Like a man after God's own heart is like this. And so maybe I have a chance to, so I journal all my pressures, like everything, like everything that is a pressure to me, like doctor's appointments and, uh, doing this class and meeting with people and getting to church on time and all these pressures I have. Right. And, 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 and First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Yeah. So when I put all these pressures down, well, one, sometimes I realize how whiny I am. And so it takes all the power out of all those pressures, right? But two, I, it just, it does. It just takes the power out. It, it just, it, it. You know, I think a lot of times we hold all this stuff inside and we don't know what to do with it. And we think, well, either they're not going to understand or they're going to judge me for it, right? But what does the Bible say? The Bible doesn't say, you know, keep all your stuff inside and, and live in the closet so no one knows what you're like, right? Right. What does yeah. the Bible say? The Bible says live in the light, confess your sins, resist temptation, right? And and. And get advice, right? Get advice because I, I have crazy going on up here. And I need, I need people to help me realize what's crazy and what's not, right? Because, I mean, think about it. Sometimes write down your thoughts and look at it and you go, ooh. You know, if you're like me, you know? So, so I get some help, right? The other thing when I have trouble prioritizing and managing my time is I try to remember to be thankful, right? It, so God says that a few times, or Jesus or the apostles says it a few times. I like 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, not just when you're on the kayak paddling peacefully, right? Yep. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. And I think that, I think when I think about the yoke, like sometimes I'm like, what is God's will for me? I don't know. There's all these things, right? Well, the, this says God's will is for me to give thanks in all circumstances. So that's an easy one. Actually, and it's not that hard. One time I had a really rough children's ministry class. And I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes struggle and I don't want to because they're kids and I love them. Right. And I want to help them and I want to serve, but I am just human. And so I, on the way home and I would pour Tim, I would, you could sit down. So poor Tim, I would vent after every children's ministry class. And I would talk to him about all the things that we could do better, which meant the things that he could do better, right? Which is, does not, is not very helpful. So, so I asked God, God, please, what should I do this time? I do not want to do this to Tim. I do not want to do this to myself. I want to love this. Yeah. And I got this sort of message to look at um, James uh, 1, 2 and 4, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy. When my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, yeah. because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking 
anything. And then there's another scripture about um, giving thanks for the hard times, the trials. I can't remember what that one is. Yeah, there are a few. So I was, so I was like, okay. And it felt weird. I'm like, oh, thank you, God, for this children's ministry class and that boy that doesn't sit down and that one that does this and I was one of your all's kids probably and 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 thank you thank you god that that tim and i don't always teach unified together thank you for teaching me and helping me out with this and it felt so weird but by the time i got home i was i was filled i didn't need to vent with tim i was I was filled. I, I like did what God said and he, and he, he made me feel good, you know? So, um, yeah. So that, those are some of the things that I do. So if you have some good things that you do, I would really love to hear them because I wish I didn't, but I need it all the time. You know, this, I need it all the time. This is probably one of the roughest weekends in my life. I, 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 I see you guys writing about being tired, you know, and I, I listen about young families, like young families have little kids and, and, and some of them have a lot of little kids. I have one and I'm tired, you know, I don't know how y'all do it, but, but so some of you guys can just be, not listen for a second, but some of us go through these hormonal changes with little kids, right? And we, and, and I've been, I've been tired lately. Like I was pregnant. You guys remember that? Like you couldn't make it through the day. You had to go lay down somewhere. Yeah. It happens again, ladies. I'm sorry, but I think I think a little bit like childbirth. You don't remember the pain. You just remember that it occurred, but you don't remember how bad it was. Well, I get to I'm remembering a little bit. <laughs> so it's you know it it's hard and 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 I and I have a hard time sometimes. But I got to church and and even in the car I didn't want to do this, and I walked in and. Never underestimate the value of fellowship and encouragement. Amen. You know, the, there were people in the parking lot that made me feel hopeful. And there were people, and then looking out at you guys, and you guys make me feel like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this is okay. Maybe, maybe I can do this. You know, so thank you for that. <clears throat> All right. So closing out, um, just kind of, if I can draw your attention back to uh, uh, Revelations 2, when you, when you think about the rebuke that, Je- that Jesus gave the church there, at no time was he telling them they weren't working hard enough. At no time was he saying, if you would just work harder, or if only your works were more fruitful, or only if you would just stop screwing things up, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. It, it was none of that. It, it, was, it was the lack of love that he rebuked them for. And he didn't just, it wasn't just like a soft rebuke. It wasn't like an encouragement. Hey guys, can you just love me a little more? I'm feeling lonely. It was a call to repentance, right? He says, and he said, if you don't repent of this lack of love, if you don't repent of this having lost your first love, I will come and take your lampstand away. And if you look in uh, just the previous chapter in Revelations 1 verse 20, Jesus says very explicitly that the lampstands are the church. So for him to tell the Ephesians, I'm going to take away your lampstand, he said, you won't be a church anymore, right? And if you think about that, that's very practical from Jesus's point of view, because what good is a, is a loveless church, right? What do we have to offer uh, one another? What do we have to offer the world if we, if we haven't got love, right? 
Um, and, and if our love isn't rooted in Christ, right? I mean, there's lots of organizations that love each other or love something. But if our love's not rooted in Christ, what, what separates us from everybody else? What, what do we have to offer? Hey, come uh, get baptized, get your sins forgiven, and just work like a dog till you die. And, uh, and then you won't go to hell. Uh, you know, uh, you know that, that's not, that's not going to accomplish Christ's mission. That's not going to make disciples of the world. And I think we can all kind of nod and get our heads around that. But let's take it down to the family level. All right. You know, all of you are parents in here, and, you know, it's probably appropriate to say that our children are our first ministry, yeah. right. right? So, you know, you've got to ask yourself, what are your kids seeing in your discipleship? You know, are they seeing uh, works without love and joy um, and just toil? Uh, are they seeing some sentimental feeling of love but that does nothing, like, like what James warns us about in chapter 2 when he says faith without works is dead? Are they seeing neither of those things because maybe you're leading a double life, you know, and, and you're one way here and you're, you're some way, some, something else at home? You know, uh, you know, we are the church to our kids in our home. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, are we inspiring them? To the life of discipleship or are we discouraging them from it you know are they looking at us and saying wow i want to have a relationship with christ like mom does you know i want to have the deep fellowship with other brothers like dad does when i get older you know i want i want to have that 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 gives him so much joy that gives him so much peace that gives him so much meaning uh, or are they saying man dad is stressed out all the time and, and he's always running from one thing to the next and he's grumpy and grumbling all the time. Why, why does he do this to himself? Why, why not just check out and not do that? Is that you're, you're, our kids are probably getting one of those two examples from us. And we should be very convicted by that. Because I know we all want our kids to be disciples, right? Yeah. You know, I'm going to go ahead and close on you. Um, you know, Jesus doesn't want joyless activity. Uh, and, and neither does he want... Uh, just fruitless sentiment, right? He wants a relationship with us, and he wants that relationship to be the foundation from which joyful, fruitful work uh, flows, right? So as, as sort of a final charge, and we don't really have a lot of time to get together in groups, but, um, you know, do the things you did at first. You know, remember from where you have fallen in your love with Christ. Um, Revisit those things. Find out what it was that, that made you fall in. Re- remember why you became a Christian in the first place. And go, go, go meditate on that. Uh, whatever it is you used to do, do it again. And get some, and I've mentioned this in the last class, but get somebody to share these things with, right? Get somebody to help you be accountable. One of the best things that ever happened to me was almost a decade ago, Eric Lipton said, hey man, can we call each other once a week and pray together? Uh, and I was like, Man, I really don't want to do that. That's <laughs> that's a whole other thing I got to add to my morning. I'm really busy. Have you been listening? Um, but you know, we've been doing that almost every Friday for you know probably eight years. And uh, you know, I still don't want to get up early on Friday morning and do that. But it gives me so much joy because I've got this weekly place where, if nothing else, I'm going to confess sin. I'm going to I'm going to share my struggles. 
he's going to pray for me, I'm going to pray for him, and it does so much for me spiritually. This is, this is not meant to be a, 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 an individual sport, right? We, you've got to have people in your life uh, intimately working through this. And then the one thing we haven't talked about um, that should be talked about, and, and, and you should talk about this between now and the next time we get together. You can talk about it with that person you're going to be getting, getting with to be accountable. But, you know, if, if you're trying to do everything on your own and, and suffering from it, if you've lost your first love with Christ, or if it's staled a bit, there's a good chance there's sin involved, right? And it, it may be something obvious, uh, but it just might also be something as simple as just a spirit of individuality and independence, right? You guys are all, by definition, young families. You know, when we become Christians, we, we say Jesus is Lord, and we, we, I, I think we tend to look at that through an individualized lens. It's like me and Jesus, right? Um, and then only later we kind of learn about the body of Christ. And and, and when we start accumulating things like a new career or a new spouse or, or kids or, or whatever, I think we have this tendency to want to put them in a box somewhere else. And, and you know, they belong to Christ too. Your job belongs to Jesus. Your, your kids belong to Jesus. Your marriage belongs to Jesus. And, and we all belong to the body of Christ. And uh, to the extent that we decide to get closed off, to the extent that we decide to go to get advice in some things but not other things, to the extent that we want to live in, in the light in some things but not other things. And again, it, it doesn't have to be obvious sin. If it's just this part of your life, this one decision, that it's not that big of a deal, but I'm just going to do it on my own. I can do this on my own. I don't need to live in the light. I don't need to be in fellowship. Well, that's going to stale your relationship with the body of Christ which by definition in transit, you know, it's Christ, right? If, if you're not in fellowship with the body, you're not in fellowship with Christ. And, and, as, and as a theme between now and the end of the year for however many classes we get to do, Deanne and I were talking that we'd really like the theme to be the body of Christ and, and the fellowship of believers and what it means, what, what that requires of us and, and what amazing benefits, not just practically, but spiritually and supernaturally that we get from giving up ourselves and our possessions and whatever it is that we think are ours, giving all that up to take on Christ so that we can avoid what we've been talking about today, right? The works-based frustration, loveless service that uh, troubles Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much.